going to kick off in, in Psalm 139 uh, here today in just a couple of uh, moments. And before we read, um, I want to tell you guys a funny story. I had this, this guy about seven years ago when I first started pastoring at our college young adult ministry. We had this guy who was just super on fire for Jesus. And we had been doing this push to read your Bibles more. How many of you guys know it's important to read your Bible? And so we were pushing our young adults to read their Bibles. He comes running up to me one week after one of the services, and he's, he's just, like, pumped out of his mind. And he's like, bro, I've been reading my Bible. It's been absolutely incredible. I've been loving it. And so I just asked him, I was like, well, what have, what have you been reading? You know, what's been so great? And he's like, oh, my gosh, bro, I've been loving the book of Palms. It's been changing my life. <laughs> and uh, he was such a new believer that I didn't have it in my heart to correct him and tell him it was the book of Psalms. And so I just went with it. I was like, bro, I love the book of Palms. Like, it's incredible. Changed my life. And uh, so if you have your Bible, I'd love to open to Psalm 139 tonight, today. I did it earlier too. I preach a lot at night, and I know it's daytime, but just if I say tonight, I mean today. Um, today, Psalm 139, and this is David from the Bible. King David, the young boy who was anointed king as a shepherd, the, the boy who defeated Goliath, who became an incredible warrior and king. And David writes these words. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, I kind of doubt it, but have any of you ever had an anxious thought in your whole life? Yeah? Okay. (laughs) So, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Today, in this series, The Best is Yet to Come, I want to bring you guys a message that I've entitled, Forever Hold Your Peace. Forever Hold Your Peace. And... So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about peace. And I just want to know, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, so I, I get participation. I make people raise their hands and whatnot. So if you're not used to that, let's try to get used to it real quick. I just want to know real quick, how many of you guys would say in any area of your life, your relationships, maybe personally, in your mind, in your spirit, you could probably use a little more peace somewhere in your life? Okay. If you're up here in the front, that's like everybody raising their hand if you can't see. We, we need peace. You know, we, we live in a society today where, where people are, are becoming more and more desperate for peace. And I think the reason is that we struggle so much with all of its opponents. We're, we're a culture that has now been defined by anxiety. We have a lot of stress going on in our life. A lot of worry, a lot of fear, confusion, concern. And all of these things have resulted in a lack of peace in our lives. Now you probably don't need me to read you statistics to tell you how stressed out you are. But I'm going to read you some because they're really kind of staggering and hopefully these don't stress you out even more. But when it comes to our, our country, the United States of America, I want to read you guys some stats on, on anxiety. Anxiety has now become the most common mental disorder. Wow. Of all of them, it's now anxiety. And I'm not talking about like you have a little bit, you, you worry sometimes, but it is a diagnosable thing in your mind and in your, in your spirit. It affects nearly 30% of adults. And so... What, what also we're seeing, so that's a lot of adults that are being affected by this anxiety. What they're actually saying is that young people, ages about 9 to 18, are now experiencing anxiety and worry at a faster rate than any generation before them. And you might look at like an 11-year-old, like, what in the world are you worried about? Like, are we having pizza for lunch? Like, that's your greatest concern. But here's the thing. So that was my first thought. I'm like, what are they worried about? When I, when I kept reading in this article, I began to find out that, that anxiety is contagious. Wow. 
these children are learning from mom and dad how to worry and have anxiety about everything. And so this message today is not just for you. Like, I hope it changes you. I hope it helps you. But this message is for people around you. This message is for your kids, it's for your husband, and it's for the next generation to come so they don't have to live with that same worry that many of you have carried for much of your life. And so it's, it's growing rapidly. Three out of five Americans say they worry every single day. I want to meet the two out of five that don't worry because I don't fit in that category. And so three out of five are saying there's something to worry about every single day. The top things we worry about, work, money, relationships, school, health, appearance, our reputation, and this one was, was interesting, growing old alone. For a lot of the young adults in here, you're like, that's my number one. <laughs> but we have all these different concerns. And then this one blew my mind. 60% of illnesses have their root in stress. Many of you are sick today because you're stressed out. Some of you are headed towards sickness because you're stressed out. And so wouldn't you think this is a good thing to get a hold of right now? And, and not just for our spirit, as big of a deal as that is, but physically as well, we need to begin to rid ourselves of stress. And the last stat I want to give you is Abilify and Nexium have become two of the most commonly prescribed drugs. That's an antidepressant and an antacid. And so we're, we're depressed and we're worried and we're anxious and it's giving us all heartburn. <laughs> and so we've got a big problem. And you didn't need me to come here from Albuquerque today to tell you you're stressed out. You know you're stressed out. You, you didn't need me to come tell you about these worries in your life. You know you have them. But here's the deal. I, I feel like I'm talking to more and more people. And I, I'm a youth pastor through young adults. So I'm dealing with, with kids that are 11 years old all the way through 30-year-olds. And they're having the same problems. I'm sitting down with people that are, are filled with all of this anxiety. And I'm just seeing a generation that's become so desperate for peace. But they, they're desperate because they can't seem to find it. It's like they're looking everywhere and they're, they're looking at their Bible and I think they get frustrated because they read through their Bible. They're seeing other people that have found peace and then you open your Bible and the Bible talks so much about it. I'm going to blow through these. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen. Philippians 4.7 says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Wow. Isaiah 26, 3, Isaiah is praying to God and he says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. So you open your Bible and you see that peace is there. And I'm here to tell you today that there's a God who's ready to give you peace. He's not withholding it from you. He's not saying you have to earn it. He's not saying that you have to live a perfect Christian life and you better, you better not have sinned in the past three weeks and then I'll grant you some peace. He's saying if you come to me, I will give you peace. And I believe just like he gives salvation, he's going to give peace freely to those who ask. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Peace is a promise. Peace is a promise as we look through scripture. But I know for a lot of you, we're, we're in this series, the best is yet to come. And it's been awesome. You know, you're, you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm trying to buy that. But I've been covered by anxiety and fear for so long that it's like the enemy has put this dark cloud over my life that I can't get rid of. And so when everybody's amening and believing for a better future and that the best is yet to come, I'm having a hard time believing it. Because the enemy has so clouded my present that I can't see my future. 
And that's what anxiety does to people. We, we can't see where we're headed, so we can't believe. Even a, a series like this, where we're showing you the promises of our God, you can't believe it because you've allowed the enemy to let anxiety overtake your mind. And you've bought the lie that it's overtaken your future. And I want to tell you that it hasn't. I want to tell you that you have the future in front of you that God wants you to have. So I want to submit to you today that perhaps many of you that can't seem to find it, many of you have been looking for peace in the wrong place. And I think you're looking in the wrong place because maybe you have the wrong definition. You don't, you don't even fully know what peace really is. And one of the problems is that if you look up peace in the dictionary, I think you're going to find a bad definition of peace. And I know that's weird to say about the dictionary because you're like, smart people, put that together, Brandon. But here's what it says in the dictionary. It says peace, freedom from disturbance, stillness, or tranquility. Doesn't that sound good? Like, I want that in my life. And here's the problem. We think that that's the peace that God is talking about. And it's not. We think that we don't have peace in our life because we still have chaos in our life. We, we still have some, some situations that we can't get figured out. And therefore, we don't have peace. But let me actually give you a better definition. Because the longer I've lived and the more I've read my Bible, and the more people that I've talked to, I've come to realize that there's actually a better way to look at peace. Here's what it means. Peace is actually maintaining a stillness and tranquility of spirit in the midst of disturbance. And that's the peace that our God promises. Our God is not promising that he's going to fix every situation in your life so that there's just peace all through, all through your life. He's saying, I'm going to fix you and I'm going to work on you in the middle of chaos so you can have peace at any time, no matter what. And that's what our God's talking about. And so there's many of us, we're not going to, discover the peace of God if we don't have this realization today that peace is not external it's internal it's not about what's happening out here it's about what's happening in here and and I can I'm telling you God can give you a peace where you can leave here today and you can be filled with the peace of God you can leave here today different than you walked in without one thing in your life changing without one circumstance getting better you can leave here today and have peace. And that's the kind of peace that our God is talking about. And so we see David, we go back to the Psalms, and David has this realization. And so we're going to go back to Psalm 139, and I want to jump back to verse 17. And kind of show you a real interesting portion of scripture, where where David is kind of going back and forth. He's a little emotional. Uh, Some of you can relate to that. Here's what he says, starting in verse 17. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Now, I told you this took a turn real quick. Like, this goes from zero to a hundred real fast. He's like, God, you're awesome. Then he's like, just kill, kill my enemies. Some of you, you pray like that. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're like, kill them, you know? Like, so you can relate, you know? But David here, he's not just getting cut off in traffic. David has some real enemies. David was a king of a nation. There were other nations trying to kill him. There were people coming after him from all sides every single day. And what we're finding here is that this is kind of subtle, but I want to show you a pretty, a pretty big truth out of this. 
right here in Psalm 139, David is focusing on his external situation. He's focusing on external factors. He's saying, God, I have all these enemies. I have all these issues, these things that are causing so much fear and so much anxiety and so much worry in my life. And these things are the cause. God, can you, can you kill my enemies? Can you deal with these nations? Can you deal with all these problems? And that's kind of where most of us are. That's how we pray. We say, God, can you deal with all of these people that are, that are causing the worry and stress? Can you deal with these situations and circumstances? But here's a great thing. David is about to make a shift, and I believe it's one today that if we make it, it'll change the rest of our life. Because David is about to move from dealing with his enemies to dealing with his inner me. And that's where we've got to get to. Where I'm not going to be focused on, on my enemies. I'm not going to be focused on what's, what I think is causing my anxiety. But I'm going to take a moment just to focus on me. And see, really, where is the root of this anxiety? And I think that if, if we'll lean in, I think David's about to give us the cure for anxiety. And I don't mean like a little shot in the arm where you do this one time and then you're cured forever. I think this is going to be a process. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. But David's about to show us how do we cure anxiety. And what he's about to do is David is about to take responsibility for his own anxiety. That's big. And so, again, let me say it one more time. He's saying, God, what about all this stuff? I need you to fix all of this. Look at what he does in verse 23. Takes another big turn. It's like, he, it's like he is reminded by God. And look at these words. He says, search me. Can we all say that together on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Search me. I think if you can learn these two words, you can begin to beat anxiety in your life. He says, search me. He, he's understanding that nothing changes until I do. Nothing's truly going to change in life until I change. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Do any of you guys, how many of you guys hate tests? Like, I, I don't like them. Never been about it, okay? Tests, I don't know if you know this, but tests expose you. You ever been exposed by a test? I got exposed my junior year of high school. Got a 17% on an Algebra 2 test. So I got exposed. I told my mom, I was like, I studied hard. I knew, I knew the material. I didn't know the material. And so tests will expose you. So when we say, when we say to God, test me, we're essentially saying, God, expose me. Show me where I'm not as good as I think I am. Show me where I don't know the material, where I don't know your word like I think I know your word. So we're saying, God, search me, expose me, and look at this, and know my anxious thoughts. My. Know my anxious thoughts. I think we've got to get to this point where we start saying, like, wording it like this, that it's not what's happening that's creating my anxiety, but how I'm thinking about what's happening that's creating my anxiety. It's about, how, it's about how you hold on to it in your spirit, how you hold on to it in your mind. Now, I want to I teach you guys something that I teach our high schoolers and our college students all the time, primarily our high schoolers. One of the things that, that people like to say a lot is they say things like, oh my gosh, they make me so mad. You ever said anything like that before? They just make me so mad. Or maybe you said this one about your kids. They drive me crazy. You ever said that before? Now, one of the things I like to teach our students, because they love to come to me and say, well, they made me mad, and that's why I, I hit the kid. That's why I got in a fight. And I like to look at them and say, they made you mad? You, you realize that nobody can make you anything. Nobody can make you mad. Nobody can make you upset. Nobody can drive you crazy. If you got to crazy, you drove yourself to crazy. And I think in our topic we're talking about today, no, nobody and nothing 
can make you worry, can make you be filled with anxiety. If you're full of worry and anxiety, it's because you've allowed yourself to be filled with worry and anxiety. And like David in that moment, you're, you're trying to blame it on everything that's happening out here. When David's trying to show us, it's actually more about what's happening in here. And so we have to take a moment. We say, okay, God, I'll, I'll believe you. I'll trust that, that what this, you know, 29-year-old kid up here on the stage is saying is true. If you, if you believe it for a moment, I believe that you'll walk out of here. And I think the rest of your life can be different. I think right now things can begin to change in your life. Because here's kind of the main idea of this entire message. you got to catch this if you haven't caught anything else. Anxiety is not about our surroundings. It's about our spirit. Which takes me down a logical progression to another conclusion. That if that's true of anxiety, then it's true of peace. Peace is not about our surroundings. Peace is about our spirit. If you don't have peace, it's because your spirit is not at peace. And that's where we've got to start. And this is, I think, where we get it wrong. Because we, we face difficulties in life. And many of us, we take the right first step. And we go to God and we begin to pray. But I think a lot of us are praying the wrong things. We've somewhere along the way convinced ourselves that if God will fix, fill in the blank, if God will fix blank, then, then I will have peace. If God were to just do this, then I could have the peace that I've been looking for. Let me, let me give you some examples. If God would just fix my marriage, then, then I'll have peace. So what do we do? We pray for our marriage. Or maybe we pray to get out of it. We pray for a new one. Right? Or, or we think like this. If, if, if I could just get more money, then I'll have peace. And so what do we do? We pray for our finances. If I could just get on that vacation or get to the weekend, then I'll have peace. Right? How many of you have gotten to Friday and it's like you had peace for a day and then, and then Monday hit again and you're like, I want to die. Right? If, I, if this whole job thing would sort out, if the scan comes back cancer-free, then, then I'll have peace. If, if I find out my calling in life, I'll have peace. If I graduate college, when I graduate, then I'll have peace because I'll be in the real world. And all who have graduated college are like, good luck with that. That's great. I just want to go back to college because life was easy. Um, so we have this severely flawed mentality. And the mentality goes like this. If these things change, then I will change. But we have a God that's saying, okay, yeah, but, but here's the thing. I want you to change before these things change. That's what my peace is about in your life. And I think this might be kind of a light bulb moment for some of you because you're kind of having this realization like, well, actually, I had some bad circumstances and I, and I was filled with anxiety. And actually, those bad circumstances got better. Things changed. I moved my job. I, I moved cities. The, the person, they, the scan did come back and they didn't have cancer. Yet today, you're still full of worry and anxiety. And so I think, I hope this kind of is a realization for you that, that this, is, this is far more about what's happening in here than what's happening out there. Because I think a lot of us, we have that, that, that mentality. Like, if these things change, I'll have peace. If I, if I can move from Amarillo somewhere else, that's when I'll have joy, that's when I'll have peace, and that's when I'll feel like I'm, I'm really making it in life. If I can move from this job that's driving me crazy then, into to a better job, then I'll have peace. If I can get out of this relationship and get in that one, then I'll have peace. If I can get from this church to a, another church that I think is better, then, then I'll have peace. But I want to ask you, that, how, how's that working out for you? I don't see that working out for a lot of people because here's the problem. When you keep moving around like that, the problem is that you keep taking you with you. Wow. <laughs> 
So you keep showing up in new places thinking it's going to be different, but you're still the same. So you're going to get the same results. You know they call that crazy? <laughs> Doing the same thing, expecting different results? We're a lot crazier than we think we are. <laughs> so, now, let me go out of left field for a second uh, to illustrate this. How many of you guys love scary movies? Anybody in here? Okay. All right. This is your month, your weird Halloween month. Um, I don't like scary movies, but I've been tricked into going to a couple of them. And long stories that I don't have time to share how I got to these. But um, I'm on a double date at this movie. And uh, I won't name it because you don't really need to watch it. But in this movie, long story short, these two sisters are in this house. And just crazy stuff is happening. All this scary, like intense things are happening. And they finally have this like realization. We have to get out of this house. This is a haunted house. We better go. Like in my life, the first time something happens, I'm never, I'm burning my house down. But they, it took them a minute. It took them like a week. They finally move. Not next door. They move to a different state. They get in this new house and you know how the movies go. Like the music's all like nice and wonderful. And you're like, wow, they made it. <laughs> and then they get in this house and that night, the crazy stuff starts happening again. The same type of stuff. What we come to find out is that the house was not haunted, but the girl was haunted. Okay, you're like, this is so dumb. Um, but I tell you this for this reason. I think a lot of us, we are haunted by anxiety and worry, yet we think that the anxiety and worry that's haunting us is, be- is coming from this relationship. It's coming from this situation. It's coming from this sickness. It's coming from this city or this job. So we keep moving, not realizing that you're the one that is haunted by these things. And it's going to follow you everywhere you go until you let God deal with it. Until you finally say, search me, and you let God take it from you, it's going to follow you everywhere you go. Don't live haunted by anxiety. Don't, don't tie your anxiety to locations and people. Tie it to your own heart because that's actually where it's coming from. This heart is the seed and the root of the worry that you're feeling. And it, unless we realize that, we'll never get through it. So that's the big thing I need you to realize today. And I want to take this down to a little bit of a practical level with our remaining time. And I got a, a few quick things I want to share with you. Is that okay? Can I keep moving? Can I keep going? Okay. So I'm asking the question, how can you have peace in your spirit? How can I have peace in my spirit? The first thing is this. Number one is pay attention to your intake. Everybody say intake. intake. Pay attention to what you take in. Now, we're all full of something. But the question is, of what? What are you filled with? Um, a few years ago, I, I paid a little extra money and I wanted to start working out with a personal trainer. I thought, you know what? I've like plateaued and I skip leg day every day, as you can tell. And so I just need, I need someone to push me, right? I need that extra help. So I start meeting up with this personal trainer and I thought day one, like we're going to get into the gym and we're just going to start pumping iron. And like, I'm going to be so much stronger two weeks from now. It's going to be insane. And I meet with him. And the guy, every time I show up for the first two weeks, he just wanted to sit down with me in his dumb office and talk about what I was eating. And I was like, why is this relevant, man? And, and he had this poster on his wall and it said this, because you can't out-train a bad diet. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good life skill, and that'll preach a little bit. So we talk about our food. And he started asking me, he's like, what are you eating every week? What are you consuming every day? And I was like, I don't really know. I'm not thinking about it a whole lot. It's just like, if the food's there, I'll just eat it. Like, it's, it's how life has been. And so he said, you know what I want you to do before we move forward is I want you to take, uh, I want you to create a food log. I want you to begin to track everything you eat. And here's what he said. He said, before you can change what you take in, you need to track what you take in. You need to understand what are you eating? 
For some of us, a food log would look pretty funny. It'd be like Krispy Kreme donuts, Whataburger, Taco Bell, Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, you know, like, you're like, I don't want to keep a food log. But he said, essentially, you need to begin to track what comes in. Because he said, I, I guarantee you, you have a lot of bad stuff coming in that you, need to, that you need to kick out. And you probably don't have enough good stuff coming in that you need to keep adding to your life through, through these meals. As I thought about this a little bit in, this, in preparation for this message, I, I kind of had the thought, what would it look like if we kept a thought log? So if we keep a food log, we begin to track what's coming in. But what would it look like if we kept a thought log? What if you begin to track minute by minute everything that you were taking in? The Bible says that our eyes are the window to the soul. What are the things you're watching? What are the things you're looking at? What are the things that you're listening to? What are the conversations that you're having? Right? Like think about the amount of time that we're spending on, on our phones, on social media, taking in nonsense and garbage, the, the amount of time we're spending reading news apps and who's trying to blow up who and who hates the president now and, and what's happening in the world. And we're filling. God, I don't think we understand. I read the other day that we are spending on average more than three hours a day on our phones. Wow. That, that comes out, guys, to 45 days a year that we are spending on our phones. It's unbelievable the amount we have coming in, but we don't track it. We're unaware of it. And that's not even to consider the amount of time you spend binge-watching Netflix and watching Hulu and watching the Dallas Cowboys play football and all these things that we're taking in, right? And I think that God is trying to give us peace, but many of us don't even have room for it. We've been so filled up with the things of this world that we can't receive the things of God. So let's watch our intake. Let's, let's, let's push out some of the stuff that we're letting in on a daily basis, on a, on a second by second basis, and let's track what we have coming in because there are so many things that we are letting in that we shouldn't, and I think there's a lot of things we aren't letting in that we should. You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the message how important it is to read the Bible. And I want to talk about this for a moment because not only do we push away the bad stuff, but let's take in the good stuff. What's the best thing we can take in as a believer? The Word of God. We can take in the Bible. And you might be like, well, that's like kind of elementary. Like they should be teaching that in the kids' church. Well, here's the deal. If you're looking for something spiritual and deep, I can't get more spiritual and deep than getting deep into God's word. And so we got to know the word of God. I had a youth pastor who shared it like this one time. He said, he, he asked us this question. He said, if you only ever ate as often as you read your Bible, how often would you be eating? And he said, he said, you know what, don't think about your future. Don't think about, okay, well, what, what will that look like in the next month? He said, think about the last couple of months. Now, let me ask it like this. Over the last two months, if you had only consumed food when you had read your Bible, what would your physical state be like right now? Would, would you be starving to death? Like some of you, we're past 40 days that a human can make it. Some of you are like, I would have already died. Would you be starving? Would you be, would you look, can we see all your bones? Some of you would be like, no, I'd be like super healthy. Like I would look awesome, right? But here's, here's what my pastor told me. He said, whatever your physical body would look like after two months without the word of God, that's what your spirit looks like. That's, what, that's the state of your soul right now, right? Because the word of God is food for our soul. That's what we consume, that's what we eat, and that's what gives us health and life and vitality. And so we gotta get rid of the bad and take in the good. The second thing is this, that we need to pray and then keep praying. And I say it like that because some of you are going to get a little pumped up and motivated. And you're going to take this message and, and you're going to go home and you're going to pray tonight. You're going to say, God, I, I want you to help me with my anxiety. And you're going to say, search me. But some of you are going to do it one time 
and think that that's how this thing works and you've cured everything and you're gonna move on to the rest of your life and somehow that, that worked. Guys, I think we have to have a, a mentality like Paul wrote to the church in, in Thessalonica where he said, you need to pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Have an attitude and a heart of prayer every single day of your life. If you struggle with worry right now, I'm, I'm telling you, it'll be a battle 20 years from now. So we have to, we have to get on our knees and, and offer that thing up to God, not one time, but I think every single day of our life. And so we got to pray. And so here's the thing. I'm not talking about praying your anxiety away. Like you sit down and say, all right, God, take away all my anxiety and it's gone. Because anxiety and cellulite have one thing in common. You can't pray either of them away. It's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take a little bit of time, right? Some of you are wishing I had something better to say than that. So Philippians 4, Paul says these words about prayer. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray. Instead, pray about everything. Every time I read that, I have this thought. I don't want people worrying about me. I want people praying for me. I don't want people worrying, right? How many of you guys have kids? Would you wave at me if you have kids? Your kids don't need you to waste one more minute worrying for them. They need you to spend your time praying for them. Don't worry where they are. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit disconnected from your child right now. Don't worry, pray. When they're out with friends, they're out of the school dance, don't just stay home at night like worrying. Men stay home praying. Like there's crazy stuff that happens. Like we need, we need, in the world standards, we should be worried. But we say, you know what? We believe in our great God. So we don't worry, we pray. We leave it in his hands. It says, tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he has done. I think thankfulness and gratitude are one of the key missing elements in the life of so many believers today. But pray, thank God. And then look at this, verse 7 says, then. This will be the result. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One more time, I want you to notice. It doesn't say pray and then God will give you a worry-free life. It says, pray and God will give you peace in the middle of a worry-filled life. That's the promise to a believer. And it's prayer that unlocks peace. You want it? I'm telling you, you have to pray for it. Come to God and ask and say, God, thank you for everything you've already done. Even if it's hard to say thank you because you're like, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Do you have breath in your lungs? Is your heart beating? Thank God for that. Are you sitting in an amazing church today? Thank God for that. There's plenty to thank God for. I'll give you some ideas. If you need more after service, come find me. I'll give you some stuff to be thankful for. Thank God. Pray, thank him. And he says, I will give you my peace. And I want you to notice something because we think peace is passive. We think of peace and it's just like love, you know, not war. And here he says, peace will guard your heart and your mind. Peace becomes ADT home security for your mind. Peace is not passive. Now, I don't have a lot of uh, experience at the clubs, but I've, I've seen this kind of in movies where people are trying to get into a club or they're trying to get into some exclusive event. And have you ever seen this in the movies? And there's always that, like, massive guy standing at the doorway. He's just got, you know, muscles, like, similar to the size of Pastor Richie's. And he's just got, he's got these huge guns, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen this? And the guy standing there usually has sunglasses on at night for extra intimidation purposes. And, and what does he do? He stands at the door to that venue And if your name is not on that list, you're not getting in. And he's strong enough where if you try, you're still not going to be able to get in. And I I love to look at peace like that. Peace, I believe, is like the bouncer to your spirit. He's like the bouncer to your mind. 
And if, if the name is not on the list, it's not getting in. I think he's got this list and he's looking and he goes, well, hey, worry's trying to come in, but worry, you're not, you're not on the list. Stress and anxiety and fear, you're not on the list and you're not getting in. And a lot of us, we, we don't have peace, so we don't have protection. Your, your mind is like a city with broken down walls and you're available for attack 24-7. Why are you being attacked so much? Because you don't have peace. And peace is not passive. Peace will protect you every day of your life. We need peace. We are desperate for it. The third and final thing today is put your full trust in Jesus. I think one of the great indicators that you don't trust God as much as you say you do is that you have worry and anxiety in your life. Worry kind of shows us, man, I'm not trusting God. Wherever you're most worried is where you least trust God. Trust him with your children. Trust him with your finances. Trust God with your business. I would tell the leadership of this church, man, trust God with his church. He wants to do more than you guys think you, than you want to do, right? Trust God in every area of your life. And where we worry, we don't trust. And then here's the other thing is that anxiety kind of makes us think crazy things. And I think one of the key things I see that I want to focus on as I close is anxiety often makes people feel like God has abandoned them. Because usually we have these feelings in the midst of some of the more difficult seasons of our life. And I don't know about you, but it's felt like to me before that when I'm going through the most trying, crazy moments of life, sometimes I'm asking the question like, God, where are you? Why does it feel like in the good times you're right there and in the bad times, like you just, you just disappear? Whenever I think about that, I immediately am taken back to a, a poem that I heard a while back. And I'm not real big into poetry and I'm not going to read the poem, but I kind of want to tell you the story of it. This poem is called Footprints in the Sam. I know some of you guys have heard this before, but the author wrote this poem like they had just had a dream. And so they started out and they said, I, I had this dream and I was walking along the beach and, and the beach was symbolic of their life, just walking through life. And they said, when they looked back, they could see their footprints in the sand. But there was kind of this unique thing that was happening. When they would look back, there was a second set of footprints walking next to them. And the author said, the footprints were the footprints of God. And he would say, God has been walking with me through this life. But then the author kind of changes the, the, the scenery a little bit. And he says, but for whatever reason, he kind of gets mad at God. He said, God, for whatever reason... In the seasons where I'm going through the most, in the seasons where I'm having the hardest time of my life, for whatever reason, I look back in those seasons and I only see one set of footprints in the sand. I don't see your footprints, God. Where do you go? Why do you leave me every time I go through a trial? Every time I'm walking through a storm, why is there only one set of footprints? And the author takes on the perspective of God and he writes these words. God responds like this. He said, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And I think for a lot of us, you might feel a little bit abandoned by God right now. But I want to tell you another promise in scripture where God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. Even those of you who try to run from me, guess what? I'm coming after you. We have a God that is with you every step of the way. Some of you have felt abandoned maybe this past week, the past few months or years, can I just encourage you by telling you today that God has not left you and he never will. He's carrying you through this difficult season that you're in. Why do we not have to have anxiety? Because God's with us. And if God's with us, he's gonna care for us. He's gonna give us the things we need and he's gonna take care of us better than we can take care of us.
Man, don't live life with anxiety and worry and fear one more day. Say, God, search me. I open myself to you. Take this stuff from me and begin to realize that you can walk out of here today and you can have the worst day of your life ahead of you, but you can still have peace in God. That's the promise we have. Would you guys bow your heads here today?